something about the name of Jesus. There's just something about the name of Jesus. We shall worship the Lord. We shall magnify the name of the Lord. There's something about the name of the Lord. That was tremendous, tremendous tribute to the Lord. We shall turn to the book of St. Luke, chapter 13. And we shall read from verse 21. If you find, say amen. Verse 20 says, and again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It's like a leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. What shall I liken the kingdom of God to? It's like a leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. You are blessed tonight to hear what I'm going to preach to you tonight. It may not be common knowledge, but it's daily bread for us. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? Put your holy Bible down and clap your hands to the Lord with all your heart. With all your might. And you may be seated. I want to talk to you about the origin of Trinity. The origin of Trinity. Now, you may not know this, but Jesus, when he was on earth, was involved with the Feast of Dedication. The Feast of Dedication took place in December 25th. It was not a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. It was a celebration of the Feast of Lights. It's not found in the six or six books. Amen. I mean, the Old Testament Feast of the Lord. There are three major feasts of the Lord. The Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacle. But something happened during the 400 years of silence. There was a kingdom that came out of Alexander the Great. It's called the Seleucid Kingdom. When Alexander the Great died, as Daniel prophesied, four of his generals assumed his kingdom. It swung down to two between Egypt and Syria, called the Ptolemy for the Egyptian and the Seleucid for the Syrian. They fought, and Syria gained the upper hand. Then the battles know that there'd come a time when the little fierce man would come out of that kingdom and that he would cause havoc with the saints of the Most High during the 400 years of silence. It came to pass that during the reign of the Syrian over the Israelites, that there was a little guy came up called Antiochus Epiphany, which is the name of the royalty that he belongs to the fourth. And he did several wicked things to Israel, and he was the only perfect type of the Antichrist. 
There has never been anybody that personified the character, the mode, the behavior, and the lifestyle of the Antichrist. In fact, he declared himself to be God, sitting in the seat of God in the temple of God, and prevented the Israelites from ever worshiping anymore the God of the Hebrew, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God. And declared himself to be God. He prevented the sacrifice from being offered up on the Jewish altar and offered up swine flesh, which would be an abomination that caused desolation in the house of the Lord. But God also said he would raise up four carpenters that would fight and fight and bring back the victory to the Israelites. It happened to be the Maccabeans family. Maccabees refused to give in to the decree of the Syrian king, and they fought and they won the battle. They brought back Jerusalem to their system of worship and praise. They cleansed the temple, and they needed oil to keep the lights burning in the temple. And the history said they only had enough oil in quantity for one night, but it lasted eight nights. And so they have the Feast of Dedication of Lights, December the 25th. To a Jews, there's no such thing as a birth of Christ on the 25th of December. They do not believe their Messiah has ever come or was even born or in the person of Jesus Christ. Or that even 25th of December is a time to worship the birth of Christ. But they do have Annika. Annika talked about the Feast of Lights, where... They overcome the Syrian Antiochus Epiphany, the forerunner of the Antichrist spoken of in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you want to know more about him, just read the history of what that man did to the Jews. He slaughtered them, murdered them, shut down their worship and their temple and their living for God and overtook and overran their system, but they prevailed, and so Hanukkah is in place. Now, Jesus was in the temple at one setting during the Feast of Dedication. You might say Jesus Christ was the living temple that was in flesh, human body. While he stand in the remorse and revised temple of Herod that the Syrians had blasphemed and desecrated. You might say Jesus Christ was the holy standing beside the profane temple. And so December 25th to an Israelite is called Anakah, a time of worshiping and giving God thanks that they prevail against the Syrian empire that tried to Hellenize them and try to let them forget their Hebrew heritage and worship the Grecian empire gods. And they said no. Now Jesus Christ raised a parable among his disciples and the people that were with him. And around him, he said, what shall I liken the kingdom of God unto? And he used a parable and he used a metaphor that the people understand quite well. He said, the kingdom of God is like unto a leaven. Every Israelite know that word. From the day they left Egypt from the Passover, they heard that term, leaven, leaven. When they come to Mount Sinai, leaven. When they came from Mount Sinai to the promised land, leaven. And God taught them 
something about the leaven. Now, our Bible is consistent with teachings. You can go from the old and find explained in the new. What was contained in the old is explained in the new. What was concealed in the old would be revealed in the new. And so if I'm going to talk to you about the leaven, there's the law of consistency. We must have a consistency, commentary, or concordance of the same meaning from the time God mentioned it to the time God closed the mention of the epilogue of that word. Can you clap your hands to Jesus? He's not saying his kingdom is a leaven. But he said his kingdom is like a woman introducing leaven into his kingdom. Now, every Jew right now around the world, when it's time for the feast of Yom Kippur, they will tell you they will go and search their home. They will search every drawer, every cranny, every place, and make sure there are no leavens around. They will spend seven days searching, making sure there are none around. It's an abomination to have any during those three festive seasons. God says, you must not have an leaven in my dominion on those three times of your life. Now, shockingly enough, we read the 23rd chapter of the book of Leviticus. The only time God allowed leaven to be in presence is in Pentecost. When they brought two loaves, a wave loaves offering to God, and God said, you're allowed to bring leaven in the two loaves. And I'll mention that to you as I go along further on, why God allowed it. But in all the other festivities, no leaven in your home, not in your cupboard, not in your fridge, not in your stove, not in your loaf. I don't want to see it, and the soul that have it will die. So leaven can't be something good. If God abhorrent towards it and says it's an abomination, then this parable it's not lifting up leaven to a higher level. He who understands the past will recognize the present, what it means. And God says, my kingdom is like a leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Now, we have to understand, during the Passover, the little boy would say to his mommy and daddy in the the commemoration, Daddy, Mom, why other times in our lives we can have leaven in our bread? But why at this moment we cannot have leaven in our feast? And they would go back to the time in Egypt when they came out under Moses' guardianship and they were told what to do and the blood they should offer. It was a commemoration of the exit our exodus from Egypt. So they would do those questioning every time they had the Passover. And so they would want to know why we cannot have it. Now, leaven in the Bible is not good. But first I want to tell you, this parable says, the kingdom of God is like a woman 
Amen. In that kingdom and bringing leaven into the kingdom. That's what he's trying to tell you. My kingdom is on earth. And there are people or there's a woman that is bringing into my kingdom leaven. Three measures of leaven privately because it's not to be present in the kingdom. But she hid it and bring it. It reminds me of the girl called, amen, that, that, that Rachel that was so loved by Jacob. And the Bible says that she came and she sat upon Laban's God. And they're going to worship God. And she sat on it and she hid that God that she worshiped and her father did. But she died on the way. She never made it to the promised land because God didn't want that kind of stuff to be there. And everybody Jacob had died and was buried in the promised land except Rachel. God's eyes is upon his kingdom. The king has power over his dominion. So back to the parable, it said this woman, she took leaven and she hid it into a measure of meal. Now, in the Bible, these terms have meaning. Praise God. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Amen. And he says, I am without sin. That means there is no leaven in that bread. Now, all you ladies know, Leaven, when it goes into something, it just permeates itself throughout that flour, that dough, or that wheat. And before long, it began to puff right up, exalt itself. And you know, it was lifted up by the administration of leaven. And there's something about there's a difference between unleavened bread and leavened bread. A leavened bread will not last in time. It will become corrupted, fumigated, and not good for anybody to eat at all for edification. You have to throw it out. But an unleavened bread can last a long, long, long time. So leaven represents corruption. Leaven Represent anything that deteriorates and will fumigate and cause deterioration. So what he's saying, what this woman is planning to do is to corrupt the body of the kingdom. Because the lady told Jesus Christ when he told her it's not right to give the bread to dogs. I don't give this kind of bread to Gentiles. And said, true, Lord, but I will eat the crumbs from the bread because I know there's still flavor involved and the nutrients is involved in it. And so bread has very great significance to the Israelites. And the Lord said, she took and put it in a measure 
of meal. And she put three measures. Why three? Why a woman? You'll never find anywhere in the Bible where God ever referred to Israel as a woman except when he's angry with her. God called Israel a woman in Jeremiah and elsewhere when she's a prostitute, a harlot in the spiritual sense, or she played the harlot on him. He never called her anything else but a woman. Revelation. The Bible never speaks of the church as a woman. Search the chapter. He never called her a woman. He never called the church in the epistles a woman. Never called her a woman in the book of Acts. So it's a derogatory term when he mentioned to them as a woman. Amen. In chapter, uh, book of Revelation, chapter 4, three or four, you'll find he referred to a girl or a woman called Jezebel. He said, you allow that woman to bring her leaven into my church. It permeated the church. It affected the church. And they commit adultery and fornication, worship idols, eat things sacrificed to the devil. It happened through a Woman, a woman. And so the Bible tells us also there was a woman in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. He called Israel in a derogatory name, that woman and the dragon, as they confront each other. And that woman brought forth a man-child that was to be caught up into heaven. We know that man-child happened to be Jesus the Christ. He came out. That's right. God brought a clean thing out of an unclean thing. Because God can, if you believe that, clap your hands to Jesus. Hallelujah. God did that because he can't. But the Bible never called his church a woman. In the book of Corinthians, he called the church a chaste virgin. He always represents to his church a virgin. The priest couldn't marry a woman. He could only marry what? A virgin. Never call her a woman. Hallelujah. Amen. And the Bible says, no, that in Revelation, he called his church a virgin. Never a woman. So we know the woman in this parable is not his church, but she is a usurper of authority. She privately came into the kingdom and she brought with her her filthy, abominable actions. And she brought in three measures of meal of leaven. And she mixed it secretly. She came in very privately. Nobody saw it. I wonder if that's what Peter's talking about. Privately bring in damnable heresy. Can you hear the message? Can you tell where I'm going? Hallelujah. And he said, she measured and she hid it in the meal. Nobody saw it when she did it. Nobody knew she did it. And by the time they recognized it, it spread. 
which was unnatural, now becoming looking natural. It's amazing when the abnormal become normal. Because once you get familiar with darkness, darkness look and light look alike. But the first time you come into darkness, it's alarming. And so she hid it in the meal. The Apostle Paul speaks to us in Galatians 5 and verse 9. Put him on the board for me, please. In Galatians 5 and verse 9, look what it says. A little leaven, leaveneth, another word, continue, it continues. It leaveneth the whole lump. In other words, what she's going to do is going to affect the kingdom of God. It's going to spread. But it took one abominable woman to do this with clandestine activity. Paul said a little leaven, leaven the whole lump. Keep that in perspective to what I just read before in the parable. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, 7, and 8. Let's Paul talk to you more about the subject of 11 so we can stay in context and not bring you pretext. Amen. Your glory, Paul said, is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven, not just one time, leaveneth the whole lump. Whatever she brought in the faith is going to affect the entire name in the kingdom. But she brought it in. It's going to affect the kingdom with her wicked, abominable activity. But privately, secretly, verse 7 says, Purge, listen now, purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, my Lord, as ye are unleavened. What are we? So obviously, leaven cannot be good. Whatever she brought into the faith is not good. Whatever she practiced and passed on to the rest of the body is not good. Because the Bible said, purge out. Not embrace it, not follow it, not imitate it, but purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump without it. As ye are unleavened, speaking to the believer, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So the parable here is not lifting up the woman. It's not glorifying her. It's saying she's going to affect the kingdom with her abominable behavior. She's going to do it very privately. Church, it don't take much to start to destroy this church. It don't take much. Amy, you let one devil in and you bring a whole bunch of friends with him. Oh, you're quiet now on me. Now you're, you're dying on me now. You allow one sin to go unpunished. And friend, it will spread like a cancer. It will spread like a leprosy. That's why the church, I've got to take up the gospel knife and, and amputate every, 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 every malaise that come in the church, every malignancy. We've got to cut off the occasion for leaven to come in and spread amongst us. I don't care if you don't shout with me. I'm shouting anyhow. 
I'll be a one-man church tonight. Praise God. She brought it in privately. But it spread. It didn't stop there. That's why God hate leprosy. Leprosy started just on the spot. But give it time, it spread and spread. And the high priest don't get involved in it, my friend. You're going to affect the whole tent. Amen. It's not that God's an isolationist. It will spread. You make one person sin in this church and go uncorrected, it will spread and defile the whole thing. The Corinthian church was involved with immorality, and they wouldn't deal with it. And Paul said, you know what you're doing? You just brought leaven into the church. And your glory is not good because it's going to spread. Amen. From one to the next, to the next. That's why they give you these hand wipes, you know. When you go to these public places, you have to keep wiping your hands all the time because we're passing the germs on. Next, next, next. We're passing on disease all the time. I don't even realize that when we shake hands, we're doing all kind of stuff. We're passing on bacteria. It's the truth. We're passing on sickness and diseases. And that's why we've got to be very, very cautious. Then verse 7 says, purge ye out the whole leaven. Nobody purged her. It spread. Nobody knew she did it because it was hid. To be a new lump for Christ is your Passover. Now, listen to verse 8. Go to verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the what? Where do you eat bread? Where do you eat bread, folks? Huh? What did Jesus Christ do? He broke the bread and said, this is the bread of my body, a sinless body, no leaven in him. Praise God. In him there was no sin. Therefore, let's keep the feast. Hallelujah. Not with the old leaven. Come on now. Neither with the leaven of what? So leaven mean malice. Leaven mean wickedness. Leaven means <laughs> sinfulness. And the list goes on. What Paul is trying to tell you about this woman without mentioning her, is that what she brought in the church is the works of the flesh. And there are three measures of that. So the whole thing is leaven. You know what happened? Pretty soon that bread lose its identity. It has a new color. You know that? Corruption discolors things. That bread does not maintain its original quality. It loses it because of the leaven. Your quietness is deafening me, I'm telling you. But I'm enjoying preaching God's word regardless. She brought it in, and she began to hide it. Peter and Paul and Jews said they brought it in privately and denying the own Lord God. Now, let me mention again, leaven is not good in God's economy. Being called a woman is a derogatory term. Speaks of impurity and not one that is morally just before God. Amen. 
And then the Bible talks about, amen, this meal that is corruptible. If you allow it to happen, it can happen. And she put it in there and walked away. I'm going to tell you what it means. She is a woman. She hid. That word means she de she's deceptive. And she measured what she was putting there. Amen. Now, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 4, put on the board, please. I've got a lot of churches around our fellowship and around the world being called upon by a government official to join in ecumenical prayer. When you go, please don't give me an invitation, please. You may go without me because I'm not coming. I cannot find anywhere where Elijah joined the 850 prophets, prayed all day to Baal. He didn't set a standard. I cannot find any time in the prayer life of Jesus where he prayed along with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Bible says he went up into the mountain and he withdrew himself into a garden and his prayer was seclusive in a closet. There's not much room for a crowd in a closet prayer. Hallelujah. For there's hope and celebration of reward in prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't find anywhere when they did dedicate the temple to the Lord by Solomon. There were any male worshipers in the choir. There were 120, not 121, but 121. No, 120 Levites dressed in robe of white, and they blow their trumpets, and it was the same at Pentecost. It was 120 that was in the upper room. There were no Pharisees or Sadducees or zealotes, or any such group were with them. These were pure, thoroughbred disciples of Jesus Christ. They were praying in the upper room. I cannot find anywhere when Paul and Silas was praying that there were any Philippians praying with him in the jailhouse. When the women were praying for the release, amen, of Peter from prison, I don't read of any Ephesians praying with them. They were praying alone. Amen. I said, hallelujah. When Daniel was praying, he didn't join the ecumenical prayer group. He prayed alone. And church, I don't believe the formula has changed. I don't believe the pattern has changed. I don't believe the design has changed. And I don't believe the edict has changed. You may want to join the ecumenical prayer group. While they count their bees and count their rosaries uh, and chant their, their chants. Uh, but for me and my house, uh, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to pray to the God of hosts, uh, for their rock is not like my rock. Hallelujah. I want to sing my song this Sunday. Let's worship the Lord. Three measures of meat. Why does it say in chapter 4, and in that day, which is today, seven women, this is seven virgins, 
Seven women shall take hold of one man. Saying, we will eat our own bread. What does bread mean? In the proof, it means doctrine. We'll eat our own bread. We'll eat our own bread, our, our own doctrine. And wear our own apparel, but not everything. Wear our own apparel. We'll keep our distinctiveness, but one thing we'll do. We need to be called by your name. That we may still stay in operation. What does this church have to do to remain favorable in our city? What do we have to let go of? What standard do we have to lower to grow? What do we have to give up so we can be loved by worldliness and the system of our society? What compromise do we have to make so we can be a part of the well-loved and embraced system of society? What leaven must we bring in, in the choir, in the pulpit, on the instruments, in the ushering? What changes must we make that we might seem acceptable? They said, we will eat our own bread, wear our own apparel, but please let's be called by your name that we may avoid the reproach being hateful people, divisionists. There's coming a time when our Pentecostal distinctiveness will demand a verdict. Whose side are you on? Who is on the Lord's side? There is coming a time when you must declare your pedigree, whether you belong to the profane or the holy, where you belong to the righteous or the unrighteous, you will not be allowed to sit on the fence because this is going to become a reality when we have a state religion where everybody must have that name of that man. Everybody must take the number of that man. Everybody must be a part of his mark. Otherwise, you don't have legitimacy to exist. You become the illegal religion like it was in the beginning. It's Caesar or Christ. Which will it be? You can't have both. But I'm going to say to you tonight, Jesus says, whose image are you carrying? Hallelujah. If you have the image of Christ, then give to Christ that which belongs to Christ. If you have the image of Caesar, then give to Caesar that which is Caesar. But I want to say like Anna, don't mistake me for one of those Belial girls. Come on, church. God didn't put this church in the city to lose her identity. God didn't put you in the city to be loved by the world. He said, reach the world. Hallelujah. The only person that can love the world and not affected by it is Jesus. God so loved the world, but doesn't ask the church to love the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Worship Jesus. 
seven women. I wrote down the seven major religions. As I speak right now, every prime minister, every president around the world are gathering all religious leaders of any importance. Obviously, I'm not important. I'm not big enough. Obviously, I'm not important. I'm not big enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I don't have the name of popularity and familiarity, so I'm just a fringe, they call me, in a cult. But any people of any notoriety, large number can affect votes, can affect policy. They call for an ecumenical prayer meeting. Buddhism, professing Christianity, Islamics, Hinduism, Confucianism, Judaism, and a whole lot of others. They lumps together. Professing Christianity alone brag about 2.1 billion followers. Please don't count me in that number. I'm not one of them. I'm not a Protestant. I'm not protesting against Rome. She was never my mother. And she's not my auntie. And not my cousin. Praise ye the Lord. I have nothing for her or nothing in her, and we don't have anything in common. Islam, 1.5 billion. Those numbers are impressive, and the rest are in the millions and thousands. Could it be those seven major religions or those seven women that when Christendom is formed, which is already being formed, is forging a unity between Islam and Christianity. It's not happening overnight, it's gradually. First, it's acceptance. And then there's amalgamation. And then unification. And finally, you lose your identification. And you become a part of a worldwide religion. A part which Jesus Christ is not a member of. But it won't happen suddenly. It will happen gradually. Amen. Seven women. They, what they're saying is, bread mean doctrine. How do I know that? Because Jesus made reference to it. He told in, first, in Matthew 16 and verse 6, he says, go there please on the board. Then Jesus said, take heed. And beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He's calling religion a woman. In chapter 6, he's calling religion a woman. In chapter 17 of Revelation, he's calling her a harlot, a whore, a mother of prostitutes. What he called her, don't look at me like that. I'm preaching what's in our Bible, just like it's not easy to believe what's in the, in, the, in the Koran. And they're allowed to preach it. It's not called hate. So I can preach this also, and you not call this hate. Come on. I'm not, not going to quarrel with them about what they preach from the Surah. And you can't tell me what I can't preach from Revelation. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and call my Bible hate. If that's not hate, then this is not hate either. 
Praise God. So I can preach from there. She's called a whore, the mother of harlots. He's talking about a woman, a woman that bringing damnable heresies privately, gradually, and professing Christianity is the coming of the dog or kettle. Drafted in, you know, put the corn grain, come on, tick, 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 tick. Are we being tick, tick? You pull it right into it, put it right into the bosom you're eating up. Hello. Jesus says, and up on her forehead was the name Mystery Babylon, the great mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. The word abomination is linked with the word leaven. Leaven is an abomination to God. This is the woman he's talking about. She privately brought in the doctrine of the Trinity. Her ancestors, the Caesars, the emperors, could not defeat the apostolic church. United with Judaism, they tried to stomp out Christianity and could not do it. The name Christianity was first mentioned at Antioch, which is in Turkey. And it was a derogatory name for people who act and behave like Jesus. And the Bible said, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be a what? How are you going to chain reference on that word? Because your sister Nina, you're the pastor's wife. It makes sense you should know. Look it up. If any of you suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed of that name. Because he said he would call his people by another name. Not by Israel, but by the name Christianity. Meaning followers of Christ. He talked about that woman. And she has a golden cup in her hand. That's the leaven he's talking about. Of which the nations of the earth have drunken and they're gone mad. And they're drinking the witch's woo. Because it's a cup that's filled with abomination and sorcery. 2.1 billion adherents does not make it right. 1.5 billion believers and followers does not make it true. It just means a whole lot more got deceived. I don't think you folks have heard me. Majority is not right. Truth is orphan. Truth is troublesome to people who don't love truth. Now, the Bible tells us privately she brought in the three measures. In other words, in 325 A.D., they brought in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And label that the Trinity, which is no more than Nimrod, Cinnaramis, and Tammuz. And just like how they duped people in the 3rd century, they will in the 21st century. 
we got Pentecostal preachers who are supposed to know the truth. A Christmas tree. You can have one if you want. I don't care if you have one. That's your problem. Decorate it if you want to. We'll light it up. But God said, don't let the pagans who chopped the tree down and dressed it up. That's heresy. Brought in the church. That's Cineramus and Tamas and the sun god. Go ahead if you want to celebrate it. I can see a Gentile thanking God for the Feast of Lights, but I can't see the Feast of Lies. Mm. Privacy brought in the title Pope. There's no Pope in the Bible, but we all use it. Privately, they brought in the doctrine, call this man father, when God said, call no man on earth father. Privately, they brought in the leaven. This priest can forgive your sin like we just did a while ago to a lot of people, the gays and lesbians. He hasn't got that authority. Only God only can do that. Privately, they brought in infant baptism. It's 11, not found by Scripture. All baptism is believer's baptism. He that believeth and is baptized. No baby can believe. God have a plan for babies. It's not baptism. Amen. And transubstantiation. The world grafted and receiving. It's a damnable private heretic belief. It's spreading. And pretty soon you tell lies enough that we start believing it. It's true. That's what leaven is. Leaven just spread, spread, and you enough time, you start believing it is right. Are you here, church? Are you here? This is not hidden to church in the Bible. I can preach this. There's nowhere in the Bible where Mary is a mediator between you and God. It's a leaven. Brought in to the kingdom. I didn't say the church. I said the kingdom. The kingdom. You know who the church is? You and me. You know, you know what the kingdom is? Global, the whole world. It's in the world. But we're not of the world. Amen. And the Bible said, no man, no man is holy but one. Yet you call a professing, amen, gay, holy father. Calling the profane, holy. I'm trying to tell you, church, the three measures is actually the doctrine of the Trinity. Everybody that believe and practice the doctrine of the Trinity belong to Rome. She's the mother and author of it, and she got it from Shinar, the land of Nimrod, way back in Iraq, century before she was in existence. Nowhere in the Bible does anybody in Christ's church were baptized in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 
Those titles are correct, but the formula is wrong. There is no competition between Acts 2.38 and Matthew 28, 19, and 20. One is a command, one is a fulfillment, but secretly, secretly, we see she bring in that damnable heresy that sprinkling should take place and not immersion. Nowhere in the Bible that the Bible tells you, amen, that we must keep a Sabbath of days. When God said very plainly, let no man judge you in meat or drink or what? Holy day or Sabbath keeping. Yet we got Protestants trying to label us as being cultic because we don't observe their man-made sabbatical. But she bringing damnable heresy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm married, you're married. I got a right to speak what the Bible says because the Muslim have a right to speak what the Quran says. So I think I have a right to speak too. So, you know, if they, if they can respect the word of God, I can respect mine too. Nowhere in the Bible. But the Bible said when I get married, I need this finger. I said, if I don't have this marriage finger, so-called, can I still get married? Thank you, sister. Good right. Yet you and I will fight a Pentecostal preacher for purging out of you the leaven. Nowhere in the Bible does God said this virgin church paint your face. Paint her lips, sculpt her hair, weave her hair, put her pants on, and look like a man. Lost you now, yet you'll fight me for it. When God said, that's Jezebel personification. That woman that crept in the church and deceived the body of Christ. Whose image am I? Am I the image of Christ or the image of the Antichrist? There are seven epistles and there are seven churches of Asia that John wrote to. But they're sure not the seven that he talked about in Isaiah. Praise God. Because the entire desire of the revelation it's to purge the leaven out of the seven churches. The influence of Balaam, Balak. Are you still here, church? We may not be 2 billion strong. We may not be 1.5 billion strong, but we're still right. We're not judged by the quantity of our our, 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 our ceilings or the quality of our doctrine. Jesus Christ said in chapter 16 of Matthew in verse 11 to 12, he said, look, I'm not talking about dough bread or Caribbean dough bread or, or Newfoundland bread. When I said to you, verse 11, please, How is it that you understand not that I speak unto you concerning bread? 
that you should be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Read on, next verse. Then understood they that he bade them beware of the leaven of the bread of the doctrine. It won't take much for people to mistake you to be one of them. I don't want my coloring, my clothing, my attire, my belief system to have anything to do with Rome because God tell me, come out, separate myself, purge out of myself anything that having a linkage with them. Hello? Next verse. Then he asked, Who do men say? Let's worship. And then he asked, Who do men say? Let's worship God. Let me show you who this woman is. Revelation 17. I come to a close. Verse 1 to 8. This woman we're talking about. She is the mother of Protestant church. Don't you ever call us Protestants. This is not a Protestant church. A couple went to get married. I said, we're apostolic. I said, we don't know what, what that is. I guarantee if she said Pentecostal, I said, we don't know what that is. But a lot of people stop using the word Pentecostal because they're embarrassed of who we are. Remember, they all changed their name. You can't find one name in Mary called Pentecostal anymore. Why? I'm glad they changed their name. Because this church used to be called United Pentecostal Church. I changed that too because they thought I was the gay church. I'm the yay church, not the gay church. I don't care what anybody said. I have a right to preach. I have a right to declare what's right. God come to blow the trumpet. Not to toot a little horn. Because hell is hot. And heaven is real. And when it's all over, I don't want this woman to have anything on me. She tried to get the birthright of Mabel and couldn't get it. You know what she did? She called a fast. And she called a bunch of Belial boys. There'll always be people that will badmouth this church, but that don't change Pastor me. Look at me. I'm still fat and handsome. I'm the most handsome guy in Mc Murray. You can't see that? Well, I think my wife is hooked to me. She can't find nothing better. She got a taste. Look at me, fit as a fiddle. You think I can let them worry me? Calling you a cult don't make you a cult. Them two cult. The important thing is you have come out and she has not influenced you. It says the nation have gone mad. They drunken of the wine for fornication. 178 nations, I believe, a while ago, and heard John down in New York and make a decision which doesn't count in heaven. You weren't invited, and I wasn't invited. Thank God we weren't invited. I want to remind you, my friend, Daniel was not at the feast when the handwriting came on the wall. He was not there. 
I said he was not there. And you won't be there either because you're coming out. Beloved, if there's a time you need to do like a man called Elisha, strip yourself of everything you have on and put on the coat of an anointed man. I said, my God, I'm one of them. The Tavern of Praise Church does not need an ecumenical approval. We don't need, amen, government approval to be true. We need the word of God. I don't need a new version, Bob. It's a perversion. I need it. it. I need what God gave us. Let's stand. Chapter 12, Revelation. Israel is called a woman. Chapter 17, Rome is called a woman and also a harlot. Chapter 13, the beast and the woman is called a woman. Chapter 19, the church is called a bride. Let me tell you, my friend, you should read Zechariah chapter 5 and read about that woman. It's talking about Rome, taking you right back to Shinar. Shinar is Babylon where Babel was. Church burning of candles, praying to the dead and all that garbage. It's leaven brought into the kingdom. I promise you this night, I'm the least attended church in this city. No, if I had now, it wouldn't be that way. But I promise you I'm the least attended. Probably the least recognized. But does that define me? If it defined me, then I'll define like Noah. Eight soul was still the majority when the flood was over. Will you raise your hands to Jesus? Who is, I want you to look at the board, please. Numbers chapter 3 and verse 4. Let me tell you, Protestants are spiritual prostitutes. I didn't call them that. God called them that. In chapter 17 and 18 of the book of Revelation. They came out of that woman with a man called Constantine. Not Constantine, but uh, just like the guy that got shot in the States. I'll tell you in a minute here. But he, he rebelled against Catholicism. Martin Luther. He didn't change Catholicism. He just revived it. You cannot revive what's settled in heaven. I'm telling you, church, the days of equivocating is coming to a close. You are going to be faced against a generation that's going to demand to know what you are. And if you don't sound the right way, my friend, only God help your soul. Your freedom is about to be taken from you. This woman and her daughters are going to come together. A long line of religious people. Can you imagine them? I mean, can you imagine your pastor getting in the middle of them and trying to pray, oh, Jesus, I'm praying among the gods. In Ephesus, that's not who it was. Diana worshiping got worried. 
Hello? Hello? When you take a stand, they'll know the true God. When you don't, they'll think your God and they are the same. Come on, beloved. Hello? Look what it says here. Not numbers, I mean Nahum. Chapter 3 and verse 4. Let's go on that and look at it. Amen. God is talking to this church. We're going to end tonight on Mark 8, 15 before we leave here tonight. Because of the multitude of whoredoms, what if you see Simon the sorcerer, sister? That guy can lay hands and people fall over. Folks come in church for me to pray for them. Now, as soon as I touch them, they want to fall right over. I thought, man, I got no insurance for that. Stand, stand still. Don't fall down. There is no scripture in the Bible where anybody fell when they were prayed for. Where did that come from? Babylon. Her daughters. Where come confession booth? Where it came from? Burning of candles. Praying to the dead. Baptism. Burning of candles. Praying to the dead. Baptizing for the dead. Huh? Where did it come from? The multitude of whoredoms, of the well-favored harlot. She quietly brought in. She called the mistress of witchcraft. You know what witchcraft is? I see, I see witchcraft in the Caribbean. Disfigured people. Witchcraft in Africa. And no doubt sophisticated witchcraft right here. But on a different level. Intellectual devils, philosophers, Scientologists, huh? animal rightists, environmentalitists. What are they doing? Are we closer to God? No. They're teaching pantheism. Everything is God. Dogs are God. Cats are God. Trying to make cats human. Now, you pet lovers, that's fine. You're not going to heaven with you. I'm sorry. Forget it. Get a new trip. Chapter 8 of the book. It says, by the way, let me finish this for you. Back to it, please. It says, all the nations are deceived by her. Nobody in this church is going to admit they're being deceived for this, for there'll be not one person. But God says, and she deceived the whole nation. She selleth them through her wardens and families through her witchcraft. You could never tell a madman that he's mad. You can't do it. He will never believe. You'll never tell a drunk man he's drunk. <laughs> he will never believe. He just said, I had a fever. Let's finish on the scripture, Mark chapter 8, 15. Church of the living God, on your job, you'll be forced to sell out, to compromise. You're dealing with the doctrine of Protestantism, who's making adjustment for the new culture of Islamic faith. Don't tell me it's not true. We're sacrificing a lot of Jesus' teaching for Muhammad's teaching now. We're making room them to pray and no room for you to pray. Making room for the reading of their book but not your book. 
their Sharia law can be read, but not Moses' law. You know it's true. And the Catholic priest is handing you over to it. Rome is just handing you over to it because Rome tells you all roads lead to heaven. And Jesus says, no, I'm the way. I'm the only way. Praise God, all the crucifix sign won't help anybody. 325 A.D., the scripture was fulfilled. The three elevens came in. It's now filled with the doctrine. And people think I am a, I'm of antichrist because I don't obey the Trinity doctrine. A lot of people in this city think I'm the antichrist. They said, you don't believe in the Trinity. And I said, show it to me in the Bible. They said, it's not there. Then why do you believe it? Jesus said, and he charged them, take heed and beware the Pharisees, that's religion, and the leaven of the Herods. These are the politicians. Politicians will carry out the decree of Rome. Rome will condemn you, and the politicians will execute you. Lock you up. Brother Tracy, if you were to lock lips with that brother behind you, like you lock lips with your wife, we would think you're gay. You don't need me to tell you this. Go on your computer and check all the leaders of the world. Watch them locking lips like a man with a woman. You folks have not seen it? Well, I, have you seen it, brother? Have you seen it? Lock your lips, tongue in cheek. Brace it like you brace only a woman. Why? The spirit of fornicating. The spirit of antichrist. That's what I'm teaching. God never told me how many going to believe when I came in and preached. He says, preach, reach, and be faithful, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, that being religious bigots, and Herod, the political pundit who panders the doctrine. Would you bow your heads tonight? I wonder how many of you love this church tonight. I wonder if you thank God for this wonderful freedom. You have no rights in the courts. You have no rights in the public opinion altars. But you got rights in heaven to the tree of life. How thankful are you that that woman is not your mother? But Jerusalem, which is the mother of us all. My mother is Jerusalem, a chaste virgin. And the spirit and the bride say, come. I'm going to challenge you all tonight. Please do me a favor. I know you have one. You have internet. Go look and watch those all the privates of the world locked lips like a man with a woman. Including the Pope and them doing the same thing. Even Obama, all our prime ministers and leaders. Locking lips. I could not believe what I'm seeing. Simon Sorcerer has been crossed and passed off like miracle and sign and wonder. It's deception. God is talking to this church tonight. Don't fall for those three measures. 
of me. We're not Trinitarians. We're not Unitarians. We're Christians. Lord, we thank you tonight for the word of God. Men may try to abolish the book, but it's settled in heaven. We have an anchor that keeps the soul. I pray for this church tonight. I pray for your people, God, to walk right, live right, believe the right thing. We don't have nothing hateful about us. And we're preaching the truth, but all they have a right to preach what they want. God, they said they'll give their own doctrine. They said we'll do our own doctrine. 